You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we are going to start talking about, uh, I think, I think, or at least for once it fits, uh, I've, I've felt for the last few weeks, I've had this in my heart probably for a couple of months, that we need to talk about redemption and what Jesus has done for us and, and his provision of freedom for us and, and what that actually means because our, our uh, natural earthly definition of freedom is really messed up as usual compared with the biblical idea of freedom. I need water. So uh, we're just going to start looking at this. Honestly, I don't know where all it's going. I know where we're supposed to start. But let me just throw this out to you and then we'll get over to this verse in a little bit if we have time this morning. I think we will. Um, Galatians 5.1, which we'll look at in a few minutes, but I just want to give you a few thoughts on this. And it says, it is for freedom. Okay, it is for, here's the purpose. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. All right, it is for freedom. We're going to look at that verse in more, more detail and, and, and bring that out. But a lot of times I think, you know, we see that Jesus has purchased our freedom from sin, which is true. We see uh, some of what Jesus has done, but it strikes me. There are two things really wrapped up in that verse, and and different versions try to bring out one or the other, some of the nuances of it. But number one is that this is the actual purpose of Jesus setting us free. Jesus didn't set us free from sin and a whole bunch of various kinds of bondage and being tied down to different things. He didn't set us free so that we could go do something else. Freedom is actually a, a huge central part of why Jesus did what he did. Freedom itself. That tells me we were designed to be free. And that doesn't mean anarchy. That doesn't mean self-rule. I mean, we'll, we'll look at what this means. Doesn't mean, we, you know, we kind of define freedom as I can do whatever I want. And that's not the way the Bible defines it. If we're not connected with God and we're not walking with the inward Holy Spirit uh, guidance and regulation on our life that he's given us, we're going to end up in bondage to something. There's no question about it. We'll end up in bondage to some form of sin, to some form of wrong thinking, to, to legalism, which is what we're going to talk about this morning. We'll, get, we'll be bound to something if we're not walking in the freedom he has given us, walking with the internal regulation rather than an external regulation, walking with that internal regulation of the Holy Spirit in partnership with him and interaction with him, that is freedom. And it is for that very thing that Jesus went to the cross and died and did everything that he did, poured out his blood for us. It was so that we could be free. And and the scripture brings out here, which I don't have it on your screen yet, but you know, Paul says, stand firm then. This is something we have to defend. And again, I'll, I'll leave some of that for a little later. But the primary goal of redemption, the word redemption means 
to purchase somebody out of slavery. It was a word that was used as somebody going to the slave market and purchasing someone in order to free them. All right, redemption. They were redeemed. They were paid for. The price was paid to whoever had them in bondage. But as they came out of that bondage, they didn't come into a new slave owner. They were set free. Okay, that's what redemption means. The primary goal in that was freedom. God designed us to live in freedom. All right, we were designed to interact with God on a personal level level to be his representatives. We were designed to worship him from our hearts. We were designed so that we could hear his voice, so that we could actually allow him to speak through us. We could be kind of like we talked about a few minutes ago. We could be his instruments in the earth. We were designed for all of that, that that intimate partnership with God. And that is, but we were designed to do all of that, not out of fear of punishment, not out of obligation, Not out of any of that, but out of love, out of a free-flowing submission of heart to the Lord. So while we live submitted to him and under his rule in that sense, his rule is there to give us life. His rule, anything he leads us to do is to give us greater, more abundant life. There's, there's nothing, God doesn't have an ego problem. God doesn't have, he's not a narcissist. He doesn't have, it's not that he has to have everything his way. It's not that he needs to, he doesn't even want to control your life. He didn't design you to walk in that kind of life. He designed you to walk in a genuine freedom where you get to choose and every human being gets to choose life, which is connection, intimate connection, with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. That is defined as eternal life. That's why it says we have eternal life now. It's not something waiting for us in heaven. The day you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you entered eternal life. You get to choose life and blessing or death and cursing. And death in the, in the Bible means spiritual separation from God and separation from his life. And there are people who will choose to, they don't want anything to do with God now. They reject him. They do understand who he is uh, on one level or another. The Bible says all of creation declares who he is. They may not know him in the same way that you know his personality and all that, but they know that God is real and they choose self. Uh, they choose autonomy, self-rule over that and to go their own way, and God will allow people to make that choice and to spend eternity separated from him. It's, a, it's something we don't like to deal with in this day and age. We don't like to think about heaven and hell. And, and in some ways, the, the way that we use those, those terms are not quite uh, expressive of, of what's going on in the Bible, but the bottom line is there is a final judgment, and people will either spend their whole eternity in the presence of God or separated from it. There's no question about that. You will get the, the judgment, the reward of your God. So if your God is Jesus Christ, you, will, you are walking in the same reward that he has and the same life that he has. If your God, if you think you are your God, honestly, then Satan is your God and you will get his judgment and his eternity. 
That's the way it is, okay? And I know in this culture, it's funny because I've been doing this a long time. The longer we go on, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you can't say that. Well, the Bible says that and we need to know it. This is the way it is, okay? It's not a, uh, it's, not, it, it's not my place. I don't judge anybody's eternity. I don't judge it, but it will be judged, okay? Anyway, we were designed to be able to freely choose life. Okay. So we, in this culture right now, we hear a lot about physical, natural slavery. You know, we, we hear about our, our country's past with, with having slavery in the, uh, early on in the years of this nation and, and all of that. We hear a lot about that, but we hear very little about the spiritual slavery to, to demonic thoughts that produce things like physical slavery. We, we tend to get, if, if you're not careful, you get pulled down into looking at things in the natural and not look at the spiritual things that are going on behind them. And I'll say the whole reason that this country came a certain, I mean, there, there were arguments about slavery from the inception of this country. And, and as it came forward, we came to a point where we, we fought a big war over it killed lots of people over it, and decided to reject it as a nation. We rejected it. The reason that happened is because of the biblical Christian underpinnings of our entire form of government. We could not deny that the scripture puts out equality before the cross for all people. Every race, both genders, everybody, every ethnicity, we are all the same before the cross of Jesus Christ. Every one of us, we all come with sin. We all need forgiveness. We're all born into original sin. We're born into spiritual death, honestly. And we need to come and receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, be redeemed out of that and come to Christ and begin to live with God. We're all the same. Doesn't matter what color your skin is. Doesn't matter if you're male or female. Doesn't matter what country your parents came from. Doesn't matter what kind of environment you grew up in or what you have done or haven't done in your own life. None of that matters. We all need a savior. That is equality. That is everybody comes the same way. Everybody's the same on the inside. We all need transformation. That's equality. The reason that was able to eventually politically take over in our nation is because we did have the Christian underpinnings uh, within our system and within our minds, and the, and the you know so so the whole point is the Scripture teaches that people are designed to be free. People are designed to be free, and the um, I just I just we can't let. I'm not sure how I want to say this. I mean, I'm not sure it's just kind of coming up right now. It's, it's like we can't let people who are not walking with God define for us. Um, they're, they're missing, they're, they're trying to, let me, yeah, I think the way to put it is that they're, our focus, they're trying to pull our focus down into that natural thing and bring back all these ideas about slavery and stuff like that. It's like 
the reason that occurred anywhere on earth, forget the United States, practically everywhere on earth, we see it in the Bible. The reason there ever was slavery is because of a separation from God's original intent in hearts. People began to devalue others. People began to see each other as property or something to be controlled. Think about all of the, I really didn't intend to go this, I'm just trying to talk from what's coming up here. Think about all the places that crops up. That crops up between husbands and wives. You're here for me to control. You're here for my good, not I'm here for your good, okay? It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit of control and bondage that is behind that that is behind any other type of slavery. Think about human trafficking. Think about all, there are, there are a huge variety of ways that people try to enslave others. There is a spirit behind all of that. And, and that same spirit wants to bring Christians back under the law or back under sin. Whatever bound you at any time in your life will try to bind you again. And that's why in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, stand firm then. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Do not let go of that. Stand firm. Oppose anything that tries to bring you back into bondage. And there can be voices that say they're trying to bring us into freedom. And if we don't recognize what's going on, they're really trying to bring us back into bondage. There, there are voices, again, that are addressing the natural issues, which are important. I mean, they're real, but they come from something. We need to see the spiritual warfare that is going on behind all of this. And our role as the church is, yes, do something about the physical aspect. Absolutely. That's why we are involved with various ministries that are opposing, uh, opposing human trafficking and that type of of slavery. That's why we are into that. Great. We need to do that, but we also need to be dealing with the spirits behind it. Our, our role is bigger than just reacting to things that are going on in the natural. Is this making any sense at all this morning? All right. So we haven't covered that verse yet, but let's, those are a few thoughts on it. So um, I want to go back to Luke chapter 4, which of course is actually Jesus quoting Isaiah 61. So so what is written here was prophesied about the Messiah and about the role that he would play and the anointing that would be on, upon his life hundreds of years before he came. Isaiah stood up and prophesied this about the Messiah. So Jesus uh, begins his ministry. He's baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him uh, for that anointing as Messiah and right at the beginning so, of his ministry. So he comes back to church uh, in his hometown and he takes the role of the prophet Isaiah and he reads these verses. We're not going to read that far, but then he goes on and he sits down after he reads these verses and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it gets really quiet, you know, because he's claiming to be the Messiah. And everybody knows, and you can read the rest of this in Luke chapter 4. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows his folks. Everybody knows how he was raised. You know, everybody had to 
kick he and his friends out of their backyard when they were running through his children. You know, I mean, they all know this guy. And, and two things start to happen. Some of them start to, to, start to say, uh, wow, you know, this guy, we've heard that he's been doing miracles in other places. I want to see him do that here. And, and other people say, this is Joseph's kid. You know, who, who is, we know this guy. We knew him as a kid. You know, how can he be the Messiah? You know, and, he, and he's totally different than what Israel is expecting as the Messiah. And by the end of the conversation, at first they're saying he's really good. They're excited about it. By the end of the conversation, they're trying to throw him off a cliff. So, uh, you know, that, that happens in the, in the Bible. People try to throw you off cliffs when they disagree with you. But, but anyway, so he reads this about himself. So this is a description and a definition of prophecy about the anointing on the Messiah. It says, the spirit of the Lord, notice, is upon me, not just within me, but that word upon always speaks of the anointing. It speaks of the Holy Spirit coming upon flesh and moving through flesh. That's why the, that's why the scripture tells us over in Acts that uh, you know, they were to wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit was poured out and the Spirit would come upon them. He was already in them, indwelling them because they had received Jesus as Lord. But now the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. So, so the scripture says of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, or for this purpose, right? He has anointed me. He has come upon me in power to preach the gospel to the poor. So that's one thing. Preach good news to the poor. What is good news to the poor? You can be free from poverty. That's good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those who have been spiritually bankrupt. It says that he sent me to, I have the power, the anointing to heal the brokenhearted. He says to proclaim liberty for the captives. You might mark that part. Liberty for the captives and recovery of, the, of sight for the blind. I really like that phrase because it brings those two things together. They are attached to one another. It says, I've come to declare liberty for the captives. And his declaration actually sets them free. Okay, so it's a declaration that you're free. It's a declaration of independence, apparently. And, and the recovery of sight for the, for the blind, meaning primarily the spiritually blind, those who have been in darkness, they've been under the influence of Satan, they've been separate from God, their hearts are darkened, they can't really understand the gospel, they have a form of religion without power. I've come to declare now for them to recover the ability to see and to hear and to interact with God on a personal level. That produces freedom. That our interaction with him through the work of Jesus Christ, our interaction with the Father, our interaction with the Holy Spirit, hearing his voice, seeing, having revelation and perception of who God is, that produces freedom from bondage in our life. And, and so those two are brought together. So I've come to proclaim liberty for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty. So this, this phrase is brought out twice in this one, this one 
description of the anointing on Christ, this idea of setting people free is brought out twice. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And we're going we're gonna to stop right there. Um, the Amplified there, I just love this, where it says the acceptable year of the Lord, it defines that as the day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. I just love that. That's where we live. The day when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. That is so good. So in this passage, this term for freedom or liberty, it's used twice. This is, this Greek word spoke of the removal of anything that tied a person up tied their hands, tied them up so that they couldn't move. It kept them in place. It kept them from uh, interacting, from, from doing anything, basically. And in almost, in, in the vast majority of New Testament references to that term, it is, it is linked specifically with sin, setting somebody free from sin. So it is, it has the idea of redemption from sin, freedom from sin, all of its consequences, all of its domination, uh, uh, the, the judgment that would be associated, freedom from all of that in most places, but not every place. In this place, it doesn't tell us specifically. It's a very broad term. So it means, yes, we are being set free from sin and all of its, all of its produce, all of its wages, uh, but, it, but it refers to a whole bunch whole variety of things that can bind us and and restrain us, all right? Jesus used it in this place to refer to anything that would restrain a person from connecting with God, anything that would tie us back from God. Um, the, The actual word that's translated in this, what was this, the New King James? It's translated, set at liberty. That actual word means to um, to stand away, to cause something to stay over there. All right. So the so the two ideas in that. Are you still with me? The two ideas in that are that we are set free when when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. He causes sin and all of its bondage to be separated from us to stand away. The Bible says. He's made our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. And if you just think about a globe, you know, if you go around north to south, you go north for quite a ways, and pretty soon you're going south, right? You don't really, they're not totally separate. You're going south, then you go south till you come around the bottom, and then you're going north, right? Unless you're in Australia, then you're going the other way, but at any rate. Uh, but see, I mean, so it's, so it's south, north, south, north, south, north. If you go east, you never go west. I mean, if you just keep going east, you can go east forever. You can go west forever. The point is that when God said he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west, that it's, in, it's infinite. Sin is completely caused to stand away from us, and that is part of our freedom. Secondly, in that terminology, it means anything is removed that would cause us to be, again, restrained away from God. There's nothing that can tie you over there and God's over here. Anything that would resist you, restrain you, that is broken 
by the work of Jesus Christ. You are completely set free to draw near to God, to draw near to your, with your heart and uh, in, in every way to draw near to God, all right? The term, get this one, the term captive here, freedom for the captive, specifically refers to a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war. We were prisoners. The scripture says, Jesus said it, said in many places throughout the scripture, every person is a slave of sin. Scripture, Paul said that whoever you choose to obey, you are the slave of what you obey. You're either a slave to sin and inherently to the devil in that way, or you are a slave. And, and the New Testament has this entire terminology about a bond slave. It's a slave that's been set free, but then gave themselves in slavery out of love to a family. They said, yep, you've set, us, you've set me free. I'm not required to be here, but now I want to be here. I want to serve you with my whole heart for my whole life. That's the kind of slavery we're in to the Lord. But the idea is that everybody, every one of us comes as a slave to sin. People don't like to think that. We don't like to believe that. That's what the scripture says. All right. And so we have been set free from that. There, there was a, a war and there still is. We talk about spiritual warfare It, you know, it was never, I don't, think, I don't think God ever felt threatened when Satan came and decided he was going to, he, he and a third of the angels were going to take over heaven. I don't think God worried about that or lost a moment's sleep over that. The devil is not on par with God. He is not the opposite and in equal power to God. We understand all that. Nevertheless, God has an enemy and, and he is the enemy of God. And so this scripture says, I've come to set those who have been prisoners of war, prisoners of this war, I have come to set them free. We are set free through Jesus Christ. We know that sin entered the earth uh, through, through one man, tells us this in the book of Romans, right? 512, is that right? I probably have it written. Oh, I do. It's right there. 5.12, Romans 5.12. Sin entered the earth through one man, through Adam's choice to obey the words of the devil instead of the word of God, all right? Through that choice, sin entered the earth. Death came with sin. There was no death, spiritual separation from God or physical death prior to that. It all entered at that moment. And because Adam is the father of all of us, passed on to all mankind. So every one of us came in this place of captivity and Jesus said, I'm coming to set the captives free. All right. It says that the verse we've been reading, he's anointed to set at liberty those who were oppressed. Okay, those who were oppressed. This refers, again, there's no specific indicator. It doesn't say to set free those who were oppressed by sin to set free those who were oppressed by addiction. There's no specific indicator to it. So the implication is that, again, he came to set us free from anything and everything that could keep us out of God's best, the abundant life he has for us, 
great relationship with God. He came and broke, he cut the bonds, he broke everything that could do that. And when we talk about this, we always have to remember, so this puts us, okay, Jesus has provided this freedom. There's still a devil that wants to bring us back into bondage. We are now in this place of freedom to choose life. And we choose life through making Jesus the Lord of our life, through submitting our hearts to him, inviting him into our life, saying, I give my life to you, Jesus, come and be my Lord. And yes, I confess all of my sin. I yield to you. I want to lay down self-effort. I give you my life. And we, and we, we get born again. We come into his life. But we still, we need to choose life choose what we're feeding on, choose who we're plugging into, choose who we're following every single day. Yeah, we have the Holy Spirit now that moves us and guides us that way. And we have revelation now. Our eyes are opened. He, he opens the eyes of the blind, blind, blonde. He opens the eyes of the blonde. That needs to happen. So, so that we can see what's going on. But we still need, we've got that freedom of choice. He never takes away our freedom. He never takes away our freedom. So we have to stand firm in order to stay free. We've got to resist that which would try to bring us back into bondage. Does that make sense? Man, we're not going to get anywhere near as far as I wanted to today. Shock. Yeah, I know. But it's important. It really ties into all this. But this is also darn good. It's just hard to run through it. Okay. Oh, just a little bit more here. So the word oppressed... Literally, that word refers to something that has been broken into pieces. It's been smashed. It's been crushed. Get this. He set us free. He's, he's come to set the captives free. He's come to, to set it at liberty, those who were oppressed. It means something that's been crushed to the point where you, you can't identify what it is anymore. You can't tell what it is. We were out uh, in Moab a couple of weeks ago, and we were riding up the road and uh, to get to some trails to come back down. And we're going up the road, and there was this big piece of plastic in the ditch. I was looking, there was a lot of pieces of plastic. And I thought it was uh, a side fairing off a motorcycle. We never did go back to see what it was. But anyway, that's what I thought it was at first. And I thought, you know, that's, there's a lot of plastic here. Somebody had a bad day. Um, and, and later we were talking about, we think it was, you know, how all of our cars are made of plastic now. We think it actually was a, a piece off of a, like a fender or a bumper or something. But I mean, the point was it had been smashed to the point where it was unrecognizable. It could not, get this one, it could not fulfill its designed purpose. That's what this word oppressed means. It doesn't just mean we're under a cloud, we have pressure on us. It means Sin and death and living apart from God has so impacted mankind that we've become our original purpose and design is almost unrecognizable. Some of our lives are so crushed. And, and again, it doesn't necessarily even mean we felt crushed. A lot of us thought we were doing great, but we've realized Karen is one of those people crushed. No, one of those people that 
people come to Christ at different points in their life. Some of us hit rock bottom and we finally re- really give our heart to Jesus. I did that as a Christian, by the way. <laughs> Still did that and finally really gave my, you know, put him as Lord. She did it from the top. She had come to the goal as a horse trainer. Uh, I mean, she was national class, could have gone to work for anybody in the country training horses and at 19 years old had worked at that since you were 11 or 12 or whatever and and had reached this pinnacle where I can do whatever now in my chosen field and it hit her is this all there is you know is she realized life's still empty here I've fulfilled all this and it's still empty and that's when she gave her life to Jesus and that's what I mean. You can be, you can think life is great. You can reach the pinnacle of everything you've desired and you can be oppressed. You can be crushed. Your life can't be close to original design and purpose. And Jesus comes to set us free from all of that. And you know, for some people, they keep doing whatever they were doing rightfully so. It's what the Lord has for him, but he wasn't involved. It was all about them. And so he just, all he has to do is refocus them a bit. And they go on from that point. Other people, it's a complete turn to something else. But whatever it is, the point is Jesus came to set at liberty. That is a bondage to be in this place where you don't know your original purpose your intended design can't even be identified in the broken pieces of your life. And the world can look at it and think your life looks great. You get what I'm saying? So we can't judge this from the outside. But Jesus came to set us free from all of that. We were designed to know God, to walk in his word, to hear his voice, to have a a supernatural, spiritual connection with him to, to, to bring heaven to earth through our prayers and our activities and our declarations and all. I mean, that is so much higher purpose than anything else we can do. And a lot of us do that through whatever vocation, but that priority gets totally turned around when we come into this place with Jesus. Let's just go real quick. Um, So this term oppressed, sorry, can't quite leave it. Darn. This term oppressed then means, and I'm linking this over to Galatians 5.1, that there are a huge variety of things that can keep us in bondage, that can take us away from original design and purpose, that can keep our lives tied Uh, And it can be anything from things we typically call sin to good things that God never designed for our life. Things don't have to be inherently evil to bind us. Whatever we give ourselves to, whatever controls our thinking, our time, our choices, our relationships, all of those types of things, our money, whatever controls that, that's the actual God of our life. So if it's If it's work, work's a wonderful thing. God gave it to us. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed to be fulfilled in it. We're supposed to excel in it. All of that, but it can be an idol. 
Okay, it can be money, it can be greed, it can be addiction, it can be sex, it can be anything other than God that is actually ruling in our life. We will be oppressed and we will miss God's best. And the fact that in this prophecy, they they didn't say, here's what you're being, here's what oppression means. It just means this, It, it broadens it to where again, Jesus delivered us, set us free from anything that would restrain us from experiencing the fullness of what he came to give us, okay? So let's just talk about this verse for just another minute and uh, we'll, be, we'll be done today. Galatians chapter five, verse one, which really is the foundation verse for this um, time. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not let. Who does that put the responsibility on? Us. Do not let. We need to be attentive. We need to stand firm. Um, The Amplified Bible in this verse says, in this freedom, Christ has made us free. In this freedom. And the original language has kind of both of those ideas. It is for this purpose that Christ has set us free. It also, it really emphasizes this term that we would translate this, this freedom. Okay, because there are lots of ideas about freedom. Christ set us free into a specific freedom, a freedom of original design, a freedom engaged with the Lord a freedom of living the life that he called us and designed us to live. And there's no greater freedom than that. We're going to see in coming weeks that this refers, and Paul in Galatians in particular, he talks about sin and the bondage of sin, but he's primarily talking about the bondage of religious legalism trying to live your Christian life based on a set of outward regulations. And if you do the regulations, you're a good person and you're okay with God. If you don't do the regulations, then you're a bad person and you're separated from God. That's religious legalism, all right? Legalism, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts because we don't have time. Legalism, religious and otherwise, came into came into mankind in the garden. And we'll see that. We'll talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Legalism, the whole concept of, I, I have a, a set of standards, an outward regulation. And if I live by that, then I am a good moral person. God likes me. I'm going to heaven. If I live apart from that, I am a bad person. God rejects me and I'm going to hell. This is why people still believe, a lot of Christians still believe, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches saved people go to heaven. We all start out bad, okay? Saved people go to heaven, and as we interact with him in a vital way, we begin to produce different things, different good fruit out of our life. But it's never the fruit that gets us to heaven. It is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Your name's either written in the Lamb's book of life because you gave your life to him, or it's not, all right? 
People still say, good people go to heaven, bad people go to, oh, I know they're in heaven. I'm not going to argue with the person who thinks that, but if they didn't give their life to Jesus Christ, then Jesus has to make the call. Okay, again, I'm not going to stand here and say they're in hell because I don't know what decision they made at the last minute or any of those things that we all worry about. I don't know, but I do know if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity with God. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So every system of morality, every natural system of morality, if I do these things, I'm a good person. And everyone should accept me because I've done these things, all right? That is a legalistic system. What Jesus has set us free to, and I will stop right here. What Jesus has set us free to, he has freed us from living by an outward set of laws and regulations, and trying to live a godly life by keeping those laws. And this is what Paul's addressing in the book of Galatians. He has set us free to having the Holy Spirit, an inward regulator who changes our desires and enables us to do good things and to produce good fruit from the heart. He changes our desires. He changes our thinking. He transforms who we are so that we live a different life. That's freedom. We're not being restrained, constrained, forced. We're scared of God, so I'd better do this. I can, man, yeah, I can't, I can't. We're out of time. There's so much to say about this. And so many places that this crops up that are subtle, where we can get sucked back into that legalism. And that's what Paul's talking about. So I think we'll be on that next week. All right. We've got to the second slide. That's awesome. All right. Let's stand up and pray today. Thank you, Lord. We got to the first verse, actually. Thank you, Lord. Oh, that was easy. Father, we just thank you this morning. I thank you so much that you have set every one of us free. I thank you, Father, that our lives are not broken dusted powder anymore and that lord as you have set us free and you have liberated us from that oppression you've liberated us from the law you've liberated us from sin from all these things now through the process of the holy spirit your word you are building something fresh out of every one of us and lord i just sense right now i know you were excited about what you were putting together and i feel excited lord about what you're doing in every one of our lives and reproducing yourself in us and the fact that we could never have done this on our own so we just again say thank you jesus thank you so much lord for setting us free for working with us for loving us the way you do and father as we go out this week we just We just accept the responsibility to go out as lights in this community and wherever we go. Father, to reflect you into people's lives, to serve people and love people as you do. Thank you for your anointing to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You don't know how hard it is to stop sometimes. (laughs) All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world, and we will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church.
Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.